Spike, uh, you know, I've been talking about trans people for a long time. It's a topic that I care a lot about. And I've struggled recently to find a way to talk about it in in the light of all of the, the hate and the vitriol and the nastiness that I see, particularly on Twitter or, or any of these other social media platforms. I see a tremendous amount of misinformation, largely from my friends on the conservative right, when they talk about trans people, specifically trans youth. And I find it to be heartbreaking in so many ways because the, the data and the science and the studies are available to everybody. JSTOR, Google Scholar, you can go and you can do a deep dive, as I have many times into any of these topics, and, and people can educate themselves on these topics, which are complex, but not really that complex. And unfortunately, what people do is they rely on somebody else to do their critical thinking for them or they rely on facebook memes or the the libs of tiktok to to form an opinion around trans people or the science around trans people and i find it really disheartening i find it really heartbreaking because we're talking about people's lives and you would imagine that if we're passing legislation and if we're having laws that more laws uh, on the books at this point in time or potentially will be on the, the the books targeting trans people than at any other time in history. I find it to be sad because it's almost all incorrect. Every time I debate somebody on trans issues, they're almost always wrong or misinformed. They don't know the data. All they know is what a pundit has told them or what Tucker Carlson has said on the issue or what they see on the libs of TikTok. And rarely, if ever... Does somebody come to me when we when we talk about or chat about trans people? Rarely, if ever, do they come to the, me and they say, you know, Jack, I was reading the neuroanatomy of transgender individuals the other day, and I found this quote to be really quite very interesting. Never, never do I hear that argument. Never do I hear that, Spike. I always hear the radical gender ideology. Blah, 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 blah. I hear regurgitating talking points that are stale and boring, that are never rooted in science. And I find it to be heartbreaking. And Spike, maybe you can help me figure out a more effective way to talk about this because we can talk about it like adults and we can talk about it like rational human beings or we could talk about it like the, the radical gender ideology of the left. You know, you know what I mean? We can, well, you know, you're, you're using yeah. too many words there. It's <laughs> protect our kids. Yeah, they yeah, scroll yeah. that yeah. on a piece of cardboard, go I out know. to a rally, and that's all they need to know. That's all they. That's all they care to know. And to be fair to that side of the aisle, and it's it's difficult for me because in this particular topic, I've got firsthand family member issues, right, with sure, people sure. who are transitioning or who have transitioned. I have multiple family members who are trying to find out who they are as individuals and find a happy and fulfilling path forward with their life. Yeah. So so for me, it's a, it's it's close to my heart issue. But, so, but I can, I cannot, let me say, I may say about sure. the folks who are against this. Yeah. No one has the time or the desire to be sadly true, uh, to do the research that you've done to find out what the facts of the issue are, to find out what the, what the effects of not providing, you know, gender health care to young adults yeah, yeah, leads to yeah. some of the horrific consequences and tragic endings that come from ignoring or closeting, if I may, these feelings and these issues. No one has the time or the inclination to do the research. And they honestly think they're being told by not just the pundits, but sometimes their own elected officials. Yeah. That they're yeah. coming after your kids, that they're grooming your kids, that your kids are in danger. You know, and it's not just, you know, gender care. It's not health care. 
It's often cultural. It's, it's drag shows. You know, 20 different states are trying to ban drag shows in some way, shape, or form. Right. Well, okay, I will say this. I have seen enough footage and done enough research to know that there are some drag shows which stu- uh, which uh, kids should not be at. Absolutely, absolutely true. Ab- absolutely 100%. I could agree more. Um, but the, the problem is, is that, so we have these drag shows which are clearly not age-appropriate and clearly children should not be there. But then you have other drag shows which are basically like costume shows. They are. Which are basic, and they're basically, you know, you see uh, an individual who's dressed like David Bowie or an individual who's dressed like a Disney princess and they read books and it's very sweet. And then in other instances you see stuff and you think to yourself that person should be arrested. Now, but this, this requires a certain level of nuance and understanding but most people are just, you know, drag bad, queer bad, gay bad. Well, and so they're, it's, they're being told that on a continuous basis from yeah, people so, they think that they should be able to trust. Yeah. And there's actually there's a really interesting phenomenon that, that occurs that I don't think most people are aware of where there are these activist groups out there and they might have a name like, uh, you know, moms for kids or, or, you know, moms against groomers or something like that. And they'll find events, drag events. Where there's a kid-friendly drag show and then a, a, a not-kid-friendly drag show. So they'll find the, a, an event where it's G-rated and then a, an event where it's R-rated that are happening in the same day with the same performers. And they'll go to both performances and then they'll take pictures of kids in the audience and then they'll take pictures of the performers at the R-rated performance and then they'll pair those together and they put that on, on Facebook and they put that on Twitter and that's what people believe. But if they actually go to the website that booked these performances, you can see very clearly that the R-rated one is no children under 18 allowed. Well, so, well, that's, well you're right. I know that that happens, and that false representation absolutely is, yeah. is, is, is horrific. It's, it's not just disingenuous, it's dangerous. Because the, the influx, or the increase, I should say, in violence against these communities, not just drag yeah. communities, but trans, LGBTQI communities, um, it's it's rising in horrific proportions. But I do want to point out one thing that, that made me just, it broke my heart. Last year's a, a drag queen Christmas show came through town and it, it toured nationally. And yeah. it was built as an all-ages show. It was built as an all-ages show. And it wasn't. And, yeah, I, and, I, and I, know the, I know the performers who were on this show and they're fine individuals, they're adults, but it was an adult show. Yeah. And, you know, bill it as an adult show. You're not doing any, our, our cause or your cause any good. In fact, you're aiding and abetting the enemy when you bill something as an all ages show. And there's dry humping or whatever. I, I don't know what, if you want to dump that, I don't know, uh, Andrew, what my limitations are when the sun is up. But usually I come out of my coffin <laughs> after the sun sets and I know what I can say and what I can't say. But, you know, there is grinding and there is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's adult. Not, it's, not, it's adult, yes. And they build it as an all ages show. And it shouldn't have been. And that just so defeats. Trying to define the definitions between the two. I've said to Matt at night, because we've, we've talked about this quite a bit. I mean, we, we far too often have drag queen story hour at late night because the stories keep coming up. And there, there is a spectrum of drag, as is there is, is a spectrum of romance. Everything from the Hallmark Channel where some guy moves to the country and finds a love of his life in a Christmas tree store. And, and some guy brings a pizza and has to get a towel. That's the, the, that spectrum in love stories is the same kind of spectrum that exists in drag. Not every guy who puts on makeup and a costume is a pervert, a sexual deviant, a groomer, a predator. It's not the case. And it's built.
held that way. Yeah, and, and I think that that's why when I see the legislation that comes out, whether it's anti-drag legislation or anti-gender-affirming um, care legislation, or when I hear political pundits like Michael Knowles is an example, saying that we need to ban transgenderism, quote-unquote, in the United States. When I hear this kind of stuff, I think to myself, well, this is a this is a this is just hatred, right? This is just bigotry at that point in time, particularly when it comes to healthcare for for trans youth. There is so much. There are literally mountains of information out there that anybody can access. And once you access it, you find that there have been longitudinal studies on kids who take hormones, and there have been uh, uh, studies on detransitioners and the percentage rates of detransitioners. It's about one or two percent. And so the conversation that we could be having in our legislatures or, or in our homes or wherever it is is we could be saying, well, how do we make sure that that those one or two percent of detransitioners? How can we make sure that that doesn't happen in the future? What medical steps are necessary? What regulatory right. steps are necessary to ensure that uh, – what's that little girl's name? She she was on Fox News. I forget her name. She had a, a, a mastectomy done when she was 16 years old. Oh, I, I don't know. Um, so, so the important thing is that we say, how do we ensure that these kids don't fall through the cracks? How do we, how do we make that a, a, a thing? That's a conversation that I would be willing to have. When we have these conversations about banning – uh, treatment for 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 kids or or for adults or whatever it is, I get really. I, I think that there's something else going on here, because it's not about uh, it's not about quote unquote genital mutilation at that point in time, because there's no literature to to substantiate that when it comes to children. It, it's something else is going on here, and what I think it is fundamentally is a bunch of political operatives who are using a marginalized group in an attempt to push people into their camp. So they're using a disgust mechanism and confusing people in order to to bring people over into their political ideology. And I see it on a regular basis. I mean, on my YouTube channel, I have a debate with a guy who claims to know about transgender individuals. Guy doesn't guy doesn't know anything. Guy, guy had no idea. But he was regurgitating talking points from Jordan Peterson or any of these other figures. And he thought that he was well-educated on things like Lupron or osteoporosis or whatever it was. And he thought that he knew the, the procedures that go into uh, diagnosing somebody with gender dysphoria. He didn't know anything. And, and in many ways, he is emblematic, I think, of the vast majority of people who either don't know a trans individual or don't care enough to actually look into it. And that is the problem we have right now, I think, in the United States when it comes to trans people. Well, lucky is the, is the inability to actually look into it, read about it, study it, and not let somebody else do your thinking for you. And this guy was in a group, a social media group, of which you take part in. Oh, he no, he he emailed me out of the, this is what. So people hear me talk about trans people on the radio, Spike, and, and they then they email, e okay. and they, they email me or they find me on on Twitter. And then they, they want to have a quote. They want to bring the knowledge with you. Right. And yeah. they want to bring the knowledge. And then I have them on my YouTube channel and, and they look like fools. No offense to them, but they look they, they come totally unprepared to talk about Lupron or the longitudinal studies of hormone therapy or like or what, what watchful waiting is or what the DSM classifies as gender dysphoria or, or when onset symptoms occur for gender dysphoria. They come on and they throw out terms like social contagion. Or they throw out terms that they've heard from right-wing pundits, and then they think that that is a debate on a very contentious medical issue, and it simply is not. And that is what I would say contributes to transphobia in the United States. Tate Reeves is an example, the governor of Mississippi. I mean, this is a, a, a losing war for many people out there in the GOP when you come out and you say we're going to ban gender-affirming care for transgender youth. 
So you're saying that even a therapist, a, a, a licensed medical practitioner cannot discuss treatment with a person under the age of 18 when they're experiencing symptoms of dysphoria? This is not a, a conservative way. This is a totalitarian crackdown on members of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. And, and be, because the GOP is so insistent on hammering down on this issue, they will lose votes. And my evidence for that is in the last election cycle. It was supposed to be a red wave. We were told that for months and months and months. And well, months. historically, it, it should have been a red wave. The it first, should have been. Right? First election cycle post a first year or first term administration always gets just crucified. Right. And as it turns out, the vast majority of Americans, by polling data, want people to have access to gender affirming care. An example of this that I was reading about recently that blew me away was in the state of Kentucky, one of the reddest states in the union. Seventy percent of people in, of, of registered voters in Kentucky do not want to see any legislation which would impede on someone's ability to receive gender affirming care. Seventy percent of people in Kentucky. I didn't believe it. I had to read it three or four times. That and see, so, that's a ray of hope for me. Right. That so, even in Kentucky, we can have some people who care about their fellow human being and understand that every American has the same right to pursue their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness as you or I do. Regardless right. of what their journey looks like. I mean, you, you talk about the, the pundits and you talk about the, the folks who want to get involved from a protect my family perspective and they do a little bit of internet research. Yeah. But there, there are governors, as you mentioned, Mississippi, Florida, governors of major states who are pushing this agenda of making these, whereas, a, you know, a counselor not just can't talk to a child about their feelings, faces a felony prosecution. Yeah. For speaking, yeah. For, for giving psychological or medical advice. To a minor now, and now I know that the issue of parental, um, inf- inf- you know, informing parents is a delicate topic to get into. Again, it's relative to this because most of the kids who are feeling these feelings of confusion or, or pursuing, you know, interest or or questions about transition, mm-hmm. they are unable to speak to their parents about this for fear of being ostracized, for fear of being abused, for for their curiosity and their uncertainty about who they are. With a parent, and I'm, and it's a tragic reality that a lot of people have just know what you what you learned growing up. You know the life that you lived in the world you lived in, and these kids are from a different era in a different world, and you can't even speak to your parents. So you have to speak to somebody who can speak to. So you know there are laws say if you if you speak to a counselor and your parents don't know that's that's a felony. If you yeah. if, if you advise a kid or provide any kind of health care, God forbid, to a to a minor, it's a felony. Yeah, and so I think what they're going to do, I think this is going to force a lot of families to move. It's going to force a lot of um, trans youth who are already at risk for suicidality and suicide attempts. It's going to force them to have to relocate to a new situation. There's if, no, if they can. And, if they can. And, you know, and it's, the same thing, can. it's the same thing with reproductive rights. Sure, yeah. And, and, and so one of the reasons that I'm so, so very passionate about this particular issue is because I see it for what it is for so many pundits or politicians or whatever. They are using this as an opportunity to get views and clicks and likes and votes. Yeah. But in the, long, in the long run, I believe it's going to backfire because the more that the information is accessible to people and the more that people do their own, quote unquote, do their own research on this issue or the more that somebody has a trans cousin or a trans friend or a trans uh, a, a child, the, the less people are going to buy into the rhetoric that we see from people who are profiting off of the misery of other people. And, and that's what I think is, is the worst part about it, right? Where any of these figures could have on a physician to talk about gender-affirming care for kids, any one of them. 
but they don't. I did it. Doctor Z came on my show. I don't know how many times to talk about this, but you, you, are you going to see that from any of these pundits who call these people criminals and 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 you know degenerates and all this other? You never see it one time. So there there will be a cultural shift, I believe. Unfortunately, we're going to have to go through these. These bills and these laws, and, 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 it's, for, and it's got a real human cost. When we, it do. has a human cost, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, we did have a. I don't think we have time to play it, Spike. Do we have time to play it? The the Democrat. Yeah, I, I think of, I think we do. So let me let me tell, right. tell you what we're talking about here. This is one of the states with a Republican controlled legislation that is pushing a bill to ban uh, gender care. Oh, I guess the, what's what's the correct terminology? Gender affirming. Gender yeah. gender affirming health care. To minors or to, 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 to kids. Um, and so this Republican legislation in Nebraska, there's a Democratic state senator in Nebraska named Michaela Kavanaugh who has promised to filibuster every single bill that this uh, Nebraska legislature once put forth in their 90-day session. And she says, you can have nothing or you can drop this horrific bill and we'll do all the business of this state's legislature, whether it's budgets or safety or whatever it is. But if you're going to live and die on this hill of denying gender affirming care to minors, I'll stop you at no cost. So Matt, if you could play that. I have nothing, nothing but time. And I am going to use all of it. I will not stand for legislating hate into our statutes. It will be very painful for this body. And if people are like, is she threatening us? Let me be clear. Yes, I am. She will stop at nothing because she'll do the business of the state. If it's a Republican controlled legislature and their priorities from a budgetary perspective, from a public safety perspective, from a gun ownership perspective, they'll debate all those bills and they'll pass the laws where appropriate and they'll fail where they, where they have to fail. But if, if this one particular bill because they're in the Democratic minority, she was, she will stop everything to make sure that this bill doesn't get pushed through on partisan. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's I know we're out of time, but I think that's how important it is. Right. I mean, if we look at the metrics for kids who receive gender affirming care, they are much better for children than who, who do not receive receive gender affirming care. And I would highly recommend anybody who you want to do your own research on it. Look at scholarly peer reviewed articles. Don't not Facebook memes, not libs of TikTok, not, you know, any of these other look at do it yourself and understand the sets of data that they are providing to you and be very big brain and nuanced about it. Jack Stein, Spike O'Neill. Spike, I'm kind of nervous to talk about this. My opinion on this, it's going to be very, very unpopular. People will not like my opinion on Section 230. I've got a special pair of undergarments that I wear when I talk on the radio, (laughs) knowing that people aren't going to like my opinion on any topic, so I'll I'll send you a pair. You won't be able to use them today. I apologize. So what do you know about Section 230, Spike? This this is the law that protects uh, companies from being sued for the content they put out on these social media, right? It's it's not exclusive to social media, though, right? Right. It's Section 230 protects largely Internet companies from things that other people post on their site. Right. So they're they're just the platform, not the content. And the content is what can be offensive. Right. And so if somebody posts uh, violent crime on a website, it is uh, the, the website itself cannot be sued. They, they just have to be able to take it down. And that's why these websites like YouTube or uh, Twitter or Truth Social, that's why they have a TOS, a Terms of Service which you agree to in order to use the platform. Many conservatives out there would like to repeal Section 230 because they think that YouTube or Twitter or any of these other platforms are now publishers. 
that they're no longer just there to put the content up, but because they moderate their content as they should under Section 230, and they claim that they stifle conservative voices, that Section 230 should be repealed. But if we follow that line of logic, if we repeal Section 230, as being argued uh, in the Supreme Court, you won't be able to have a Facebook or a YouTube or a Truth Social or a Twitter because every time someone posts an illegal activity on that website, they will be found liable for having that content on their website. So what I find really frustrating is that you know a lot of conservatives feel as if they've been maligned by social media, and so they want to repeal the thing that protects these social media companies and allows people to post on them. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I just think that many conservatives out there don't like the idea that they're being censored. And so they say, well, we'll just burn down the whole system by repealing Section 230. And I think, Spike, if people actually knew what lengths some of these companies go to to try to be compliant with Section 230, I think that they might think about it a little bit differently than how they think about it now. Well, it seems to me that the onus of oversight is on these huge internet corporations. Yes, it is. Yeah. But it's never adequate. It's never, it's, it's not, they don't, they don't staff well, it well enough. They don't, they don't. Well, okay, and they're always so, saying they can't possibly keep up with the content. And that's a realistic right. uh, so understanding. They can't keep up. You've got on YouTube, you've got literally tens of thousands of videos that are uploaded every second. Second, yeah, not day, second. Right. So you have a, what is supposed to be, they have an algorithm now which monitors for content, but then they also have to self-report. So, or, or you know, if, if I see a video that I think is against TOS or someone's committing a crime, I flag that video and that video gets sent for review. And the content moderation, at least on YouTube, tends to be pretty good. It tends to be pretty, you know, snappy. Sometimes they miss things as they would with a website that's taking in literally tens of thousands of videos on a regular basis. And and also the 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 way that they do it spike that the manual review process. Some of these I, I don't think people know this. There are huge factories in places like Arizona or in Utah where Facebook or Twitter or YouTube are they're contracted to go through content that has been flagged. And so they have people who sit in front of computers. And they watch horrific content for eight hours a day for $15 an hour. Oh, my God. And so th these people have to watch the worst parts of society and then manually remove it. There is no magical algorithm that you could come up with which could identify every TOS violation on, under the, uh, on God's green earth and do it by – it just doesn't happen. You have to have a human being there to be able to determine whether or not something is uh, uh, appropriate or not. Well, and so th there is this kind of fiction that many of my conservative friends have out there where they say, well, what we'll do is, is we'll have people who monitor the content before it actually goes on these platforms, Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. Mm. That is insanity. That would that would require everybody to pay for services like YouTube or Twitter or or Truth Social or any of these other uh, what's another popular Rumble. You would then have to pay a fee to use that site so that they could pay people to to manually review your video and then put it up. And I don't think anybody wants to do that. People were mad at Elon Musk for charging $8 for, to get verified on Twitter. Well, here's the so, thing. You get what you pay for. And if you pay nothing for these services, you should be able to expect nothing in return. I mean, if you want, if you want responsible content moderation, 
then pay a fee to take part in that service. You know, DoorDash isn't going to bring the food to my house for free. I have to pay for that service, (laughs) right? If I want free delivery of my food, who knows when it's going to get here? Uh, But here's another element to the story that I think is, is important. Yeah. It's not just that they're a platform. That puts these that puts this content out for public consumption, and they can't be held accountable for the people who put stuff out. The worst of humanity, as you very correctly described. Right. But the algorithms that these platforms use to deliver content to obtain the most hits and retain the longest engagement, they are spoon feeding content that has been deemed dangerous. The, the, the case that is before the Supreme Court right now, an exchange student was killed by an, during an ISIS attack in 2015 in Paris. Now, there was an algorithm that feeds these ISIS videos to the people who perpetrated this attack because they engage. They stay there longer, so they get more of those things. These social media platforms are literally using an algorithm to get engagement and earn a profit. And this algorithm that feeds this content, this worst of humanity, on a continuing cycle to people, that's the problem. Not just that the that the videos from ISIS wannabes are out there, but they're being channeled to people to keep them engaged. Yeah, I think that's not, an important element. I th- I honestly think this case that's before the Supreme Court, I think it's a bit of a joke because well, sure the video went out and sure a couple thousand people saw it, but then it was tagged and then it was taken down. But then another extremist video was sent to those people and then another extremist video was sent right. to those and, people. And I think that's the – I'll give you an example, Spike. I, I think I told you about this before, but I, I saw a video on YouTube. It was uh, – somebody made a mean comment on my YouTube channel. So I, I clicked on his profile and he had a series of videos where he was blowing up hogs with what? uh with pigs yeah with oh with, yeah you, oh, with, you told pla- me. with plastic explosives right you, you had told me about this but my self-defense mechanism had already right. sponged it from my brain and yeah he, this is the kind of stuff so, people so, are posting so, so he has dozens and dozens and dozens of these videos and they go back a couple of years and they have maybe one or two or three views apiece and so i tagged all of them and i sent them all to youtube and i said this is violent content can you please take this down they took they they took down that guy's entire channel i checked back a couple of days later i mean they removed the guy from the platform as they should right that's what it takes yeah. to moderate a website that is the size of youtube or twitter or whatever it is is it takes people who are willing to say and to police that kind of content not to not to eliminate these businesses ability to generate a profit for themselves. Do you know what I mean? It, th- there is a an attempt, and I think it's a vengeance more so than anything else. It's a, a desire for revenge by many people out there who feel as if they've been treated poorly by these websites. But what they don't realize is if you take away Section 230, nobody gets what they want. Not me, not you. If you want to post anti-vax content, if you want to post uh, uh, you know, whatever violates uh, YouTube's TOS, if you take away Section 230, then nobody gets to post anything. It would ruin these companies. And so it, it is a, a, a massive mistake, I think, to try to eliminate Section 230 from, from law. And, and, and honestly, I think that it's, it would be an abuse of power to do so because we need these companies to function like this because they are the new way of mass communication. Well, and I'll go one further. We haven't brought this, this uh, perspective up on the story. Diamond Dave Ross on MyNorthwest.com has a story about this. Yeah. And he yep. closes with the, I think, the... The biggest fact of the story, YouTube is the biggest broadcaster on the face of the earth. Sure. They're, you know, they are the largest broadcaster on the face of the earth. There's a responsibility that comes with not just that job, but the profit that goes with that. Very true. Uh, we'll take a really quick break. When we get back, Spike O'Neill, what do we got coming up next? I got to – oh, wait. 
Fees. Time to pay your fees, Spike O'Neill. Yeah, it's you it's March 1st. We've been war- warning you for months. <laughs> All right. We'll take a really quick break. We'll be right back right after this. Fees. <laughs> so- <laughs> a lot of... <laughs> fees. So, Spike... We got our jingle. There it is. No, go ahead. There's a lot of fees people have to pay up. Now, uh, apparently there's something about the good to go toll. Now, you, Spike, I know that you don't pay parking tickets. I know that you don't pay uh, toll tickets. I, I know that you don't pay your speeding tickets. I know that you're pretty infamous for this. For uh, I found that they can be used as home insulation. Yes. The walls yes. of my home and the exterior walls of my home have been lined with uh, pet parking fees and tickets for the last 15 years. It really saves money. So here's what, I don't, here's what I don't understand. Uh, good to go. Stopped charging late fees and civil penalties for unpaid toll bills in June of 2021. Right. It hath been announced for the better part of oh, I don't know, six months that the moratorium is going to end today on those fees. Absolutely and, right. And yet, as I scroll through Twitter, I am seeing people comment, "How was I supposed to know? Why didn't anybody tell me? Why didn't they warn people?" And I, I can only assume that there that there that there are people who just avoid the news at all costs. Th- th- these are people who just refuse in every single way, shape, and form to engage with anything that is challenging, anything <laughs> anything that is re- remotely intellectual. And they say, "Why is this happening to me?" So, well, no good deed goes unpunished. I mean, you know, right. the, the city gave people a, a grace period because of the economic, you know, disaster that was the pandemic. The same things that, you know, today the emergency relief is being dropped from the SNAP uh, accounts across the oh, country. yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, people are taking yeah. a massive hit to their food budget today in Washington. Meanwhile, food prices are through the roof and the gouging by the grocery industry is what we should be addressing right now. But we can talk about that another time. With regard to the fees, you know, how could we, how have you not heard Chris Sullivan for the last six months <laughs> telling you, hey guys, it's coming, it's coming, March 1st, it's coming. I mean, it's like tax day. I didn't know it was April 15th. Why didn't somebody tell me? You know, yeah, we, we've exactly. been telling you since exactly. January 1. They sent you all these things in the mail. That should have been your clue. I mean, do people want a town crier? Do we need to bring back a Paul Revere type guy? The yes. late fees are coming. The late fees are coming. Come here in yes. midnight with a lantern in his hand to let people know by horseback. Psycho Matt will do it. It's a great job for Psycho Matt. <laughs> um, I've got enough jobs. May, maybe, maybe the next TikTok challenge will be telling people that the late fees are going to be you know, implemented as of March 1st. And it's not like a small amount of money. We're talking no. about like $40 civil penalties per yeah. fee as well as a $5 late fee. So your like $20 fee or whatever is about to double, triple. And we've been, we've been trying to tell you. Spike, did I ever tell you one time I was going across um, not the not the Bay Bridge, not the or no, excuse me, not the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, but the Bay Bridge, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a toll bridge. And uh, I'm in my mom's truck, it's Ford F-150, Triton V8, big big truck. I'm driving back from uh, um, uh, I, th- I think we were in Tahoe, driving back from Tahoe, and all of a sudden I look down at the gas and I realize that it's on empty. And I'm looking at this toll bridge, and there's got to be three or four thousand cars waiting to to get up to oh. the toll. And I go, I go, oh no, because if I get in that line, this truck is going to run out, out of gas, gas, and you and you are a blockage. So then I see off to the left, or excuse me, off to the right, I see the Easy Pass lane. And in California, they have this thing called the Easy Pass. Yeah, 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 lane. yeah. 
And so I go, I, I get very big brain and I go, I'm going to go through the easy pass lane and I'm going to pay the fee on the, because it's like a $25 fee if you don't have an easy pass. Right. If, by, if, by, if we bill you by mail through this lane, there's an additional charge. Right. So I'm thinking I can either pay literally hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to have a tow truck come get my truck and move it out of the, out of the Bay Bridge, or I can pay the $25. So I go over the, through the side, uh, uh, go to a gas station, totally forget about it. Mm. Two months later, <laughs> two months oh, later, yeah. I get a ticket from uh, San Francisco. <laughs> it's a three hundred dollar ticket. What for, for failing to pay oh, the oh. Easy Pass? Okay, yeah, penalty, civil penalty. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was uh, you know it wasn't very big brain of me. It no, wasn't it's, very it's smart, a knucklehead but, moment. We all have them. But, but I would go to the court and say, Your Honor, here's what I did, and here's how it happened. Can you give me any relief on the fine? I mean, that's you were literally doing a civic duty of not running out of gas in the middle of a heavily congested bridge. A guy like I'm a you, hero. With, I'm with a hero. the verbal skills you have, you could charm the, the grobe off of any judge. Yeah, but at the time, you know, I was kind of an insecure guy, you know what I mean? So I feel like if you put me in a courtroom, I would have just burst into tears and just said, I'm so sorry, please don't put me in jail. That I think works that's on what... some judges. You know? I mean, <laughs> I just no, I, I, we all we all do that. We all forget. We all, you know, I've you walk by an envelope, oh, I got time, I got time. I, oh my God, it's exactly, late. Now it's late. Yeah. Now I got a fee. Uh, well, it's March 1st, folks, and you know, it, we've been telling you for weeks and months, and we all make mistakes. We all get forgetful. There's so many things in our lives that push one thought out of our brain. We've only got so much RAM, you know, and the stupid stuff I watch on TV pushes up the stuff I'm supposed to remember to do. <laughs> we, we all are subject to that. But, you know, you missed your window. Fee, late fees, if not, if, if, maybe if you postmark it today. I don't know. Maybe if you, if you get something postmarked today, you could, you could argue your way out of the, the late fees and, and civil penalties.